Let's, without further ado, move into our teaching for today. As you know, we've been moving through uh, 2 Samuel, but there has been a little bit of a, a detour on that, and part of it is that the Psalms have been speaking to us. And, and when the Lord's doing that, uh, which I believe he still is doing, then I want to follow that through. So we'll get back to what I think is going to be a great and needful um, carry-on in, in Second Samuel. But we are going to take on today uh, a Psalms that was prepared for Thursday, but we didn't get fully at it. So we did Psalm 110, we did Psalm 111. Today we're going to be into Psalm 112, and there will be an addendum to that that precedes it. I know that sounds strange because that means it's following. But both of these, you're going to see, I think, some wonderful parallel to what the Lord is saying and speaking to our hearts. In this case, I think the title is very appropriate, both in what we've heard in music and what we're going through right now in our life situation, blessed in the test while godliness is at work. Remember, we talked about God is at work, but there's something that God does to each one of us in which godliness is at work. How are we in our godliness? What do people see in our groans, our agonies, the things that are in our time of trouble, assaults in our stability, our emotions? As I was listening, and both, both to the worship leader, Andrew, and to Todd, there's no doubt that the Lord is addressing to all of us this necessity of being, I think, both vulnerable and available. Vulnerability means that he is privileged to have our hearts and to test us in the having of that heart. Will we give our heart to him? The heartache, will we endure the suffering for a season. But it is a season. You remember last week it was Ecclesiastes to everything. There's a season. Turn, 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 turn. The birds would famously pen in their song of the 60s. They grabbed it from the Bible, but that song grabs us because it is from the Bible, not from the birds. They did a great rendition of it, in my opinion. But it's not turn, 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 turn from the pain. It's turn to the word. It's turn to God. It's our turn to go through that thing that is hard and translates in tears. But we have to go through it. We have to go through it. We have to be seen in it. Great song, Going Through the Fire. So the Lord's orchestrated all of this music today. Sometimes I get far too much credit for doing it. But if you've ever seen me, you know, elbow Christian going, what do I do next? What's up? <laughs> Not really. Well, sort of, yes, it is really. <laughs> but what I marvel at is the Lord orchestrating by his spirit the themes by which we are being addressed by God. So 
This is a narration, I know that. But it does set, I think, for appreciation where the Lord would have us focus today. There's a lot of stuff we could talk about. Politics will not be one of them. Because what we need to remember is that he's sovereign in all things that concern governing man. And I will leave it at rest. God's not finished on either side. Because remember what we said on Thursday. It's here a little, there a little, but it's right down the middle. It's a little thing, here a little, there a little, but it's right down the middle. We need to see the cross. We need to see the outcome in the long distance. Even as there are changes that provoke us, how will we be provoked to shine brighter, to be more savory as salt? How will the provocation of events in our life be used by God to say we're different? And what others express through lawlessness and disorder and rebellion, we're different. We're different. We're bold in what we believe, whom we point to, and you may point at us, but we will tell you we're different because of God, not in spite of what's going on. We're different because of him, and we're bold because of him. And we are not going to apologize because of him, but we handle things differently. We speak confidently, assuredly, but we're different. We are different. So a couple of areas. We're going to be in Psalm 112, but then I would also like you to mark your Bibles in Matthew 5:11. The context of today's teaching is simply this. Blessed in the test while godliness is at work. God in you at work. Turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Find yourself in chapter 5. You know where we're going. The Beatitudes, the blessed life. Hits on about nine different areas, and so I'm actually going to be rather expeditious on that. It's not in its entirety the point of the teaching. But let's see what the Lord says to us with what he said to a multitude that had gathered around. Profound. Profound in what he said. Blessed means happy. As we open in chapter 5, verse 2 declares, he opened his mouth and taught them. Lots of mouths are being opened today, but there's one mouth that is most highly to be attended to, and that is his mouth, the oracles of God, the truth of his heart to the crises of our moment. And this is what he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Move on down. Number four, blessed are those who mourn. Move on down. Blessed are the meek. That would be humble. Move on down. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Move on down. 
Blessed are the merciful. Down again. Blessed are the pure in heart. Move down again. Blessed are the peacemakers. Move down again. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Pause. We've moved down and down and down and down, and that's precisely it. To ascend, God says, move down. Take a position of humility. Take a position that marks my authority. Have confidence that I will see you through. I like the one song that in the passage uh, that Todd sang, Rivers in the Desert, and I thought, I would love to see Rivers in the Desert. It, for those of you that don't know, we have an elder here named Rivers. He, and I was comforted. That's it. It's Rivers in the Desert. I don't know if that means we're ATVing or whether he's rescuing me. But even to be humored that God makes provision in what he says to us through the people that are with us. We can't take for granted that. The people that are with us, we with them, we're here together as congregants. These who were gathered here on this mount were literally congregated, and they were the congregants of the Lord. They were attending to what he said. And you may say, but you passed up some of the good stuff. I, I wanted to make sure that we were in dissent, in agreeability on the premise of what he was saying. Blessed this, blessed if this, blessed if this, blessed if this. Down, 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 down. Because when we are down, it marks us for what God will do. And that's the ascent to bring us up. There are things that the Lord would say that may be for us literally and very likely just spiritually require a death. That there is a vision that God grants. Many of you are familiar that in Isaiah 6, Isaiah was able to see something of God in the death, the year of King Uzziah passing away. We don't know necessarily how it links with the state of this great prophet, except that in that year, that time of the death of this king, he was in a place in which the robe, the trains of his robe, and the presence of the Lord filled the temple, and Isaiah was amazingly enraptured. And in his enraptured state, the Lord spoke to him with regard to a remedy for perhaps where he lacked. For him, it was a coal off the altar that his lips would be touched because he would be able to say in that moment of a death in that year, a crisis that he faced, simply this, I am a man of unclean lips. And God says, good, we've come to terms with that. And now I'm going to actually do something for you. 
with regard to that. So the down, 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 down is that we might rise up. In the teachings that I've been doing in the Gospel of John, uh, pretty much every morning since we got, you know, put into our homes for quite a season, but the evidence there was just recently Lazarus being permitted to die. Permitted to die, even though it was against the wishes, the desires, the petitions, appeals of two of his sisters and the community, he was permitted to die. The Lord was delaying his resolution to be the solution. God will do that. There is a delay always that Jesus would say to his disciples and ultimately to Mary and Martha, this has been done that God might receive even greater glory. So this paired up with the other, which is Psalm 112, is simply that we can understand that when we talk about godliness at work in Psalm 112, it begins because God has had opportunity to work with us right now on the blessed life. Does the blessed life mean for us a riches to rags switch in which we become nothing, have nothing, assume nothing? I don't believe that's true. I think that what is being said here is that this condition in which there are no conditions that you say are greater in your life than God and his unconditional love for you, you can trust him for everything that you become the beneficiary of. Everything. You can let it go. You can bring it in. You can divvy it up. You can have great confidence that in this season, as God sees you and attesting that he has permitted a great and deep work, it's not going to be taken away from us, and it's actually an investment that transcends, moves way beyond Wall Street. As we've seen stocks rise, I, I know I've said this before, but I remember when we hit 11,000 on the stocks, on one of the first churches I passed, and it was like, whoa! Do you remember that? Now it's like if it ever goes down to 11,000, it's gonna be, oh, this is not good. At one time, it was awesome. And God says, you want to talk about boasting in the stocks? You invest in me, and what you're sending forward, you have no idea how I'm multiplying that for you, for your joy. It's an investment that we make. And we make this investment not simply in the materials that we have, but in the spiritual that God has given to us. This is spiritual life. Move down, move down, move down, move down. Okay, now. Move up, ascend, move up, ascend. It's a picture. It does say, though, this with regarding the times, important to address, because this also perhaps is one of the hardest to really own and to be actually settled in. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great 
is your reward in heaven. Where is it at? In heaven. Great is your reward. Great is our reward. Great for the people that follow the Lord, a nation, rulers, kings, magistrates, adjudicators. Great is our reward when persecuted for his name's sake. So there may be a settling. There may be a time right now in which, wow, such unprecedented peace. That doesn't necessarily mean great. Very often when lawlessness and rebellion is appeased and brokered with, there is a season of peace until more is required by the carnality and the inciting, riotous nature of man to have more of what God has intended to resist of their longings, of their yearnings. We can see that. There was a peace brokered in the streets, and all of a sudden things don't seem to be broken anymore. Peace, peace, peace. We're reminded that at some given point in time, there will be that call, there will be that answer, and we are not necessarily to rejoice in it. We're to have great precaution regarding it. You don't broker with evil and rebellion and lawlessness in order to obtain peace. It must be eradicated, and not on man's terms, on spiritual terms. Does the church feel persecuted? There actually is reason to feel that way, but there's also a greater reason to not fear that way. And that's important for you. That's important for all of us, even those who may be tapping in right now. Fear is not a part of the plan. Oh, the enemy, that's a, his tactic, but it's, it is not God's. Perfect love casts out fear, and he's the perfect lover of our soul. Let's go ahead and advance on. Would you turn with me to Psalm 112 and reflect back on Psalm or Matthew 5:11 through its conclusion. Psalm 112 is paired with this blessed in the test and Psalm 112 is while godliness is at work. Godliness is at work in all of you. God gets magnified in what it is we're going through. And he's not through with anything either evident to us or even not yet revealed. He's always got a plan that will subvert the plans of man. He's a sovereign God. Let's take a look at 112. I think you'll find it highly encouraging. First, it begins in this way. If a man is blessed on nine points, which we just read, then one of the things that godliness at work in you and I needs to always have evident and on the ready is blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. And you may say, wait, you missed something. I know what I missed. 
but because you saw it, that tells me what you haven't missed. Praise the Lord. It was an intentional hop, but I know that in you, you go, wait, wait, he missed it. But you didn't. You immediately knew that this starts off with the imperative praise the Lord. Plead the Lord. Beg the Lord. Promise the Lord anything to get me out of this. Praise the Lord and the stratagem for how you endure and the means by which God will reveal himself in the fire and through the standing waves and to make it to the other side becomes your reality. Praise the Lord. I don't feel like it. Not many of us do when we're going through the crisis. That's precisely the cue that says, praise the Lord. What does it mean? You give from your heart what has been potentially suspended by your emotions. And you say, he's worthy. In this moment, I can barely open my mouth. I can barely have a thought that even is highly spiritual. And you say, I will praise the Lord. When others will not or cannot, I will lead as an example on what I can do. And I can praise the Lord. I can acknowledge him in his attributes. Those are all of the magnificent personality traits that have been revealed through Jesus that are worthy of being pronounced. I can focus on his attributes, who he is, what the scriptures declare he is as God and revealed as man. Praise the Lord. What else for what he has done? What has he done in your life? He just yesterday saved me from a beastly termination, driving back at about 12 o'clock last night. Christy was just barely awake, but she noticed a guy applying his brakes and jogging to the left. And sure enough, it was one of these beasts that was wanting to become an ornament on my grill. But the Lord saved me. He made a way for me because she had just enough mindset from her exhausted body to say, Richard, there's something going on. Be precautious. And I was just in time. And it's interesting because I was proceeding like this little MGM. Is that what they're called? The little, you know, small British cars? Or is that the name of them? And does anybody remember those? MG Did I have it right? Yeah, they're the little guys. MGs. Okay, MGM is the movie theater, right? Eh. Okay, but what I'm saying is that I was preceding him. And so he would have been in a mess. Isn't it interesting? One preceded me who was in the mess. I followed him and was saved from the mess because of precaution from someone who had attentiveness and I was preceding one who would have been completely wiped out. God had us all in a chain of events that by his sovereignty was worthy of praise for what he does do. He saves us. He 
moves in that area that we talked about last week and even Thursday providentially coming in and the practical necessity of saving us in crises. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. In the song that Andrew sang, you have two pictures, I think, that go on in your mind. One of Daniel and his friends being put in the fire and the Lord with them in that fire and of Moses who stood on the brink of rebellion. (laughs) What have you done taking us out of the land of whatever they were thinking they were getting out of Egypt to this place where surely we will die. Behold the salvation of the Lord. And Moses had to proclaim that as a command to him to summon all by himself the attention of the people whose faith had faltered. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord You will not fear men, you will fear the Lord. And in your fearing of the Lord, you will delight greatly in his commandments to you. I marvel at people who delight greatly in the commandments of the Lord that come to my attention and the practical expressions of that. You know, two of the brothers came up here and were standing at the microphone. And it provoked a curiosity in me. And I marveled. I said, man, what guts? I wouldn't have done that. And I evaluated what inspired that. I think the Lord inspired it. I'm not necessarily saying that gets to be a pattern, but I was impressed with how in their impression they stood before a microphone and they were willing to sing a song with no fanfare and actually really very little attention given to them by anyone. I was impressed in their bravery. That's a brave thing to do. Unauthorized to do. That was a brave, faithful thing to do, authorized by the commands of the Lord upon their heart. Will you do this for me? Will you sing a song? Was it praise... Praise God from whom... Was it the doxology? Is that what you were singing? I think it was. (laughs) I think it was. It's a great song. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. See, my bravery came from their bravery. I know I can sing, but to break into it came from what I saw in their moment. Isn't that cool? Did you see that? That usually caused knees to knock and your mind to just go. And bravery, because men delight who fear the Lord in the commandments of God. In a moment they least expected, they were expected to do their best. thought that was awesome. Godliness at work through praise in times in which it's the last thing that you feel you can summon from your mouth. Verse 2, his descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed 
This speaks of both piety, that means spirituality, and as well prosperity, how God allows things to work out for you as you exercise yourself in overt godly behavior. I love what that says to all of us. In so doing, you are then able to understand and be exercised in the will of God and the call of God. If you move in what you say is the call of God without knowing the will of God, you've erred greatly. But if you understand the will of God, you can move forward in footsteps of faith to address the call of God. Both of those are compliments right now. And it is what is, in essence, being said here. And the beneficiaries are the generation that specifically linked to you will follow in integrity. I love that. This idea that in verse 2, the family in its continuity, that means not segregated, but actually integrated with the idea that God at work, godliness on display, it's a flow. It's amazing. I don't know if I think Andrew intentionally cut out on one portion of the song, and the voice that I was hearing was not his. It was Zolina. I don't know if it was that intentional. Was that a solo moment arranged? <laughs> I'm always analyzing. But what you need to know is that that was such a blessing. Sometimes in music, you know, we 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 do, you know, cut in and out for different inflections. But I wasn't sure if Andrew was just deeply touched in the music and or or he's a very good, you know, director in music that he comes up with but what I was impressed with is Alina's voice came shining through and it was very much impressionable to me Alina was one that when Andrew and uh, Melissa got married she was a little baby that I dedicated in Calvary uh, Chapel Rogue River and now she's singing with her dad and I and singing spot on great articulate accurate notation and so why do I say that? Because it's a generational mark. Obviously, he's got three other beautiful kids that equally are a heritage. All of us do. All of us do. And that's what is being said here. The godliness at work in your life does have an influence on those who you influence. You influence them, and it will have an influence on others. And it's remarkable to see and therefore, it becomes literally an expression from God to others. And it's the evidence that you're different because you are not the same. You are in this world, but you are not of this world. And that is a talking point that cuts through a famous word back in the 70s, jive talk. It cuts through it. It's one of the greatest talking points is why we talk about the Lord when there are so many other things to talk about, so many other things to challenge and to complain about. We stay on the mark in principles of precepts that can be anchored in our faith and cannot be challenged by any in the long term, even though we will suffer rebuke perhaps in the interim time. The family continuity, both morals and spiritually, 
good and strong. We see good and strong in this church, don't we? You know, don't we see that in our kids? You know, we've got a really awesome generation of strong young women and young men, but we've also got them in the nursery. I mean, you know, they're able to, they're able to jump those fences, those barriers. Get out. I'm, I got the gospel. I don't know what to do with it, but I'm getting out. That's why you see these, these little jailbreaks from church. They've been filled with the spirit. They don't know what to do with it, so they head towards the door. That's why we have nursery workers that are also equally anointed as shepherds and shepherdesses. You think it's rowdiness. It's just they're filled with the spirit, and they've got to get out. They've got to get on with their life. You know, Bob and Dory, just wonderful seniors, they, they love the Lord, and they're here, and I love seeing them here. He's a great encouragement to me, and Dor Dory is too. I got a little bit of a down mark last week on the drums. I didn't rock the palace, but I'm going, okay, I did what I could do. I know who's got the schmooze. But really, it's awesome that they appreciate the music and the teaching and the fellowship. This is godliness at work. It's godliness at work. It cannot be denied. It must be celebrated. Godliness at work. In verse 3, it indicates that wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Maybe you don't have two nickels that you can rub together to even heat them up. But it indicates that there's a treasury that God is fully crediting to you. And it is something that is beyond anything that you can imagine. But it's also that you do not have to imagine God making provision for you and blessing you when those coins cannot be rubbed, when the dollar bill has been dilapidated and not even a machine will take it. The Lord is the one that gives the assurance of both wealth and riches. And wealth right now is preceding the term riches. Wealth indicates that area in which actually an enrichment, an endowment has been given by God that's greater actually than the treasury of the coins and the bills. God makes us wealthy beyond what we would say translates to the dollar, but God would say, when I give you wealth, it is greater actually than the coins and the dollars that so easily attract you to it. You are a rich man and you are a rich woman and the wealth that I have given to you and my son in your relationship with me because of the cross. I find that to be exceedingly encouraging in these times in which the world runs off the market. But the Lord would say, don't run from my marketplace. You stay in my marketplace. You stay where I am closer to you than anything, anyone. I've made you wealthy. I've enriched your life with giftings from my spirit. And I will remain faithful to you. 
Unto verse 4, the upright there arises light in the darkness. Godliness at work. As you are individuals that in your uprightness that God has imparted to you, it indicates here that there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. The emphasis on the capital he is indicating that that is the Lord. Re-identifying to us as we read this who he is, gracious, full of compassion and righteous, it means he does not err in any decision that he makes or allows. Love that. A good man, verse 5, deals graciously and lends. You guys have all been marked for that, every single one of you, in gifts and talents and practical expressions have been marked by those who have seen you. I've seen you. Most importantly, God has seen you. Dealing graciously and lending, he will guide his affairs with discretion. God's the one that guides your affairs with discretion. But God also gives you the responsibility of discernment. That's a spiritual gifting. Discretion, that's an intellectual one. How, with the discernment that I have, does God want me to allocate? Discretion, that's responsibility. Spirituality and practicality. Intellect, how does it come into agreement? Because godliness is at work in you. And it's a wonderful thing, not only when you see it, but when you realize that God, in fact, is expressing himself through you. Great verse. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not, verse 7, be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart, in verse 8, is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. That means you don't have to make what you may know to be an enemy of yours or an enemy of God's, your chief emphasis. God's intending still to save that person. And we need to let that be God's final word. Because one way or the other, we were as perhaps as easily indictable as any that we would see in cultural behavior today. God will judge, but he's at work in saving. Verse 9, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. This is the place in which God has given you power, position. And God says, with that, I give you honor. Some of you take for granted the honor that God has given to you because you think the next position is better than where you're at. That's not true. If Jesus would say to his disciples, I came to serve and not be served. I'm girding myself with this towel and washing your feet because he was saying essentially no higher position can be in the serving position that I now model for you. And as that is appropriated, then God says one more rung up for you have my heart and now you have greater responsibility because you rightly will not be corrupted by that which is now being given to you 
love that. The wicked will see it and be grieved. Verse 10, he will gnash his teeth and melt away. Again, the wicked will, not you. The desire of the wicked shall perish. They think they're getting their way, but they will not. They will only be in the way. And God has a way. God will make a way. Probably most of you would have said Paul was a wicked man. Paul would have said that about himself. But he was not beyond the grip of grace. And he became one of the greatest apostles. That even in his apostolic ministry, many resisted him. Talk about a burden. An anointing with the mind and the heart of God to have literally been an audience with the resurrected Jesus, tutored by him, after having been tutored by great men in Judaism. And that being said is godliness at work in your life as it was in Paul's life before he was even able to make a confession that later on became the testimony unto his death. Blessed in the test while godliness is at work.